Welcome in everyone to episode 119 of the Batflip Podcast. My name is Damon here with Matt and David. Uh, this week we're going to recap the World Baseball Classic, give you our, uh, our awards for this year, our division predictions, and then our World Series matchup. But before we get into all that, Matt, how you doing this week? I'm doing pretty good. Um, just uh, had a had a pretty good weekend. Uh, enjoyed the heck out of the World Baseball Classic uh, up till last week, and then uh, just uh, you know been enjoying a little bit of March Madness and getting ready to for the baseball season to start. The, the, they've had a bunch of uh, Braves games televised on spring training, which I got so I got to watch a little bit. Um, which hasn't been the case most of the year. Um, I'm jealous of you uh, Dodgers and Cubs fans uh, in here because uh, y'all get to watch a lot of your games in spring training, but I didn't get to see too many of my team's games. So, um, but, uh, but yeah, opening day Thursday, super, super excited, ready to talk some predictions, but uh, pass it over. Uh, how are you doing, David? I'm doing good. Yeah. We had a bit of an exciting weekend there with some family coming into town, but uh you know, back on the the baseball mindset here as we get ready for opening day week. Uh, it's an exciting week for for every baseball fan, and uh, I'm certainly no exception. So it's it's getting really exciting. Got our marquee network, uh, you know, TV streaming service set up so I can finally watch it. Um, so that'll be that'll be fun. But uh, how you doing, Damian? I'm doing all right. You know, just hung out this weekend. The show um, came out this weekend, so pretty much just binge played that all weekend um, working trying to get the the WBC cards that are in the game so that was pretty fun but uh, excited that you know opening day is this week it's Thursday so we're going to get to some real baseball and teams are starting to play their games the final spring training games and actual their actual stadium so that's been pretty fun I know the Dodgers played uh, in Dodger Stadium last night just gives you a different feel having the you know 40,000 50,000 fans uh, back to the game so it was really fun uh, watching that and seeing how the the new rules actually work in a stadium you're really comfortable with. I know last night the game went like two hours and eight minutes for the Dodgers, so it was pretty quick there. But uh, excited to jump in this episode. What about you, got, you guys? Ready to, yeah, ready to go. Let's All go. Right. All right. So recapping the World Baseball Classic. So David, give us a you know a little bit of a recap from your end and what your the final game, your favorite moment, kind of just everything about the World Baseball Classic in your eyes. Yeah, so I think the the best part of the World Baseball Classic is that first round where there's games at 6 a.m., there's games at 11 p.m. at night. Um, you know, th- there's just something special about that. Uh, I know that the you know, the U.S. and the, the Japan were kind of juggernauts this season. I really thought the Dominican Republic was going to be a juggernaut, and they got knocked out in pool play. Um, you know, with Manny Machado, Julio Rodriguez, a bunch of those guys didn't even make it out of the, the first round. And that's kind of crazy, but that, that's kind of baseball, right? I mean, you have, you know, a, a full team of, of superstars, and they can very easily lose a game. Um, you know, I think we saw the, the U.S. lose a game. Uh I want to say to Mexico, Randy Rosarena, yeah. but, uh, you know, Japan didn't lose. They went undefeated the whole tournament and that's just a incredible group. They did a really, really good job across the board. And then I, my favorite moment, you know, I, I'll let you guys go to the final at bat there. I'm going to go with the at bat, the inning before where Kyle Schwarber was fouling pitches off against you Darvish. Uh, two of my, you know, former like favorite players on the Cubs, just duking it out in a high pressure moment. And then Kyle Schwarber gets you, um, for, for a home run. 
even though he was hitting like foul home run after foul home run, it was just a, a really great battle between two great players. And uh, Kyle Schwarber adds the World Baseball Classic home run in the championship game to a resume that includes a home run in every divisional playoff uh, game where he's got one in the ALDS, he's got one in the wild card game, he's got one in the NLDS, NLCS, ALCS, World Series, now the World Baseball Classic Championship game. So uh, Schwarber seems to be getting this reputation as being a really clutch power hitter. And, uh, you know, his career is going to keep going up as the Phillies keep being competitive. But, uh, yeah, this was a, a fun little tournament. And, you know, that championship game was something else. It was just everything special about baseball. And uh, I'll let you guys kind of keep discussing it but uh you know schwarber's performance in that game was was incredible and then uh you know just the japan as a whole you know masataka yoshida was incredible in this tournament as well so um yeah just a bunch of guys and getting to show off for their countries and it's it was a fun tournament for sure yeah i i was i agree i thought it was a blast um i've been a pretty big advocate for you know worldwide baseball international baseball for a long time uh and i think that it's super important in, to grow the game worldwide because this is a game that can be worldwide and it already is and just to grow it even further i think that uh, it was awesome watching uh you know watching those games like david said pool play you know being able to watch them late at night i remember the everyone was freaking out in the first game of the of the uh tournament because team cuba had a pitcher that had this like nasty breaking ball and everyone was like oh my god this is the best pitcher we've ever seen and then uh, there was the guy with the horn, uh, the Cuban guy with the horns uh, that everyone was talking about. And, I mean, it's just like since then, since that first game, I mean, it has just been constant. Like everyone's been super excited. Everyone's been into it. I think everyone who played on the teams was really, really into it. Uh, I thought that was good. I, I wish we could find a way to get some better participation from American pitchers and pitchers from other countries as well. I think there's, there's several uh, – several top pitchers from, you know, from, from other countries that didn't participate as well. And of course, some of it due to injury, but, um, I think that, um, I think that, uh, what, one thing that I hope from this tournament that I wanted to point out was I hope that some of these teams that were kind of upstart teams, especially the European teams, like, uh, team Italy and team Czech Republic and team Great Britain that, that participated and, and did pretty well in the tournament, uh, at least compared to their, uh, expectation I, I hope that especially with the czech team that had a lot of uh czech uh, you know natives on the team you know that were born there and everything i hope that a lot of those teams uh a lot of those countries kind of you know maybe got a little bit of you know viewership and stuff out of the tournament i know that you know a lot of those were american players playing for you know playing for team italy and playing for team great britain because they have they have rules about how you to be related to to be able to play for those teams but i hope that there was some attention put on that over there but um because i think i think it is important these worldwide competitions to grow the game worldwide and then uh my favorite moment i mean it's easy to say the trout and otani and, and everything but i think that i thought the yu chang grand slam was pretty awesome that crowd and, and you, you know that, you know, the Japan and the U S teams are so good. And that's such a, going to be such an intense moment, but I don't even know. Who, I don't even remember who they were. The, the uh, Chinese Taipei was playing, but the Yu Chang home run with that crowd going absolutely insane. That was, a, that was a lot of fun for me. So I think that might've been my favorite moment. And, uh, but, uh, but yeah, what, uh, what about you, Damien? Yeah. I mean, it was an awesome, awesome, uh, event to, to be able to watch as a baseball fan. Um, you know, 
waking up or, or staying up late to, to watch some of these games that were overseas. Um, some of the Australia games were really, really uh, cool. And me and a couple of my buddies, the legend of Robbie Perkins from Australia is just one of our running jokes from now on. Um, you know, the final game was electric, that whole environment there, Japan, United States, two, the two of the best teams there. Uh, just going head to head and it being such a close game back and forth. And you never knew, you know, if that run was going to be the one run to win it or, or what, but, um, you know, favorite moment, it's hard to narrow down to one. Cause I had a few, I mean, the Canada, great Britain game was an, just an absolute fun game to watch. It drug on forever because it was an 18 to eight game. Canada ended up winning on a, uh, uh by mercy rule, but, I had to say probably my favorite moment of the entire tournament was Trey Turner's grand slam against Venezuela to put them ahead, to move them on. It was the game winning one to move them on to the championship uh, game against Japan. That was, that moment was just electric in general. Trey Turner was a man on a mission this whole tournament. I think he had five homers leading the, the, uh, the whole tournament. Uh, it was just, it was really fun to see, you know, you get to see a, a more of a perspective of baseball fans from around the world rather than just American baseball. The culture of the game is so different from Japan to, you know, Cuba to Dominican to Venezuela. Like, I feel like it was such a good environment with it. Be, a lot of the games being in Miami for those teams where it's really easy to get to. And then even with United States and Mexico and those teams being in phoenix where it's a lot easier for those fans to get to in japan and obviously all of that being overseas and playing in japan you got to see a lot more of the cultures of the game from around there and i think that's really fun as an american baseball fan to be able to see those more often because um, obviously it's not something you could see just watching major league baseball yeah so before we move on i, I do want to say we, we didn't get to really to touch on it but two two big things i think that need to be mentioned are Roki Sasaki's performance for Japan um, as a, I think he's 19, he might be 20 now, uh, throwing 102 with just power splitters at like 90 miles an hour. Uh, he was absolutely electric. Uh, you know, he's the type of guy who's going to come over here at some point to Major League Baseball and command just incredible contract. I would say every fan of Major League Baseball needs to be on the lookout because you know, this is such a great place for MLB teams to go and get some scouting on guys in competition against players of, you know, the best caliber. And Roki Sasaki was one of those guys that just popped off the charts in terms of how he can come over and be an immediate impact arm at the major league level uh, right now. And then the other thing I want to mention is the, the, the Otani versus Trout performance at the end. Uh, Shohei Otani comes in to close the game for Team Japan in the championship game. And... You know, gets to two outs. It's Mike Trout versus Shohei Otani, teammates on the Angels. You know, guys who kind of endured suffering basically uh, with that team for the last few years, but are you know maybe the two best baseball players on the planet. You know, you could argue for some other guys, but really, I mean, that's like the best of the best versus the best of the best. You know, and Otani goes in and just strikes Trout out with some pitches that were just moving like frisbees. And, you know, Trout got him to three balls, right? It wasn't like it was a, a completely uneven at bat, right? Trout was fighting, but, you know, just an awesome, awesome finish to, to the World Baseball Classic. You know, one of the best at bats to see. Just so much talent, uh, you know, on the mound and at home plate. So, uh, 
you know that, that that's the kind of thing you only see at the World Baseball Classic is an at bat like that between two guys who have been teammates their entire careers. Yeah, especially fighting for their country and, and everything. But uh, the one thing I wanted to mention with the Otani, that final at-bat, the final pitch that he struck out Trout on, I don't know if you guys saw it, it like broke the pitching scale with yeah. the amount of velocity to movement it had. It had like 17 inches of horizontal movement itself, and it was like 87 miles an hour. That's nice. not even including what the vertical drop was. He, he was uh, chucking Frisbees, yeah. man. That was – yeah. Uh, while also pop, you know, piping 102 right down the middle. Right. I mean, it on top of that. So. Had Trout gotten any sort of contact, it would have been incredible. I mean, Trout just at that point was hoping for, for the pitches to be off enough that he could take and get a walk there. I mean, Otani was on another. He had just found another gear there, I felt like. But it's crazy because he's already at a gear that no one else is playing at right now. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. All right. Well, is there anything else you guys want to talk on the WBC before we head over to the awards? Uh, I think I'm pretty pretty good there. Uh, you know, like I say, just uh, I hope that you know in the countries that overseas that were or, or in, in general that were you know baseball countries, but not like huge baseball countries. I hope that this helped grow the game there. I think it's important for the, to take it to the next level. So, yeah. And the guy who defected from Cuba that also happened. The first. Oh yeah. Uh, the yeah. first defect from Cuba. Uh, to the U.S. during the World Baseball Classic. He just left the stadium and didn't get back on the bus. So, um, you know, good luck to that guy, wherever he ends up. I'm, I'm sure he'll resurface in a few years with, uh, with the Major League team. So. Alrighty, well, let's jump over to our awards predictions. We'll go ahead and start in the National League. Um, and we'll go ahead and start with Matt, and then Matt, you can throw it over to David, and then we'll do that. So go ahead and give us your Rookie of the Year, um, some reasoning, Cy Young, and then MVP. Are we, are we doing all three one, yeah, at once? Yeah, just go ahead and just do all three. Okay. So my rookie of the year uh, pick here is, uh, you know, this year, instead of doing just one guy, because, you know, we were kind of all like, there's kind of a pick for some of these awards that we're like, you know, we're probably going to pick the same guy. Uh, but the, I wanted to go ahead and, you know, kind of do a, a dark horse along with the, uh, you know, along with our main pick. So my pick is going to be Corbin Carroll. I think he's, you know, he's the top prospect coming up. He's got a little bit of big league experience last year. He got called up for uh, 32 games at the end of the season, did pretty well in those 32 games. Uh, swing and miss was a little bit high, but uh, he was still uh, had a 130 WRC plus, looked really good, uh, kept his rookie eligibility. He's the number two prospect in baseball. He's got, like, breaking the charts level speed which is going to be important this year with the stolen bases uh, being maybe being up a little bit. Uh, he's got a great hit tool, power tool. He's, he's a five-tool player. And uh, I think that, that, you know, with him having a little bit of exposure to the big leagues already, I, I definitely think he's my number one. Uh, my other guy is uh, Miguel Vargas of the uh, Dodgers, who I think just the being in that lineup and getting that opportunity, he's put up really good plate discipline numbers in his minor league career. I really like him. If Corbin Carroll sputters or something would be one of my picks. Uh, for Cy Young, I'm going to go with uh, my main pick's going to be Corbin Burns. Uh, he won it in 2021. I think he's got, you know, the best combination of stuff. Last year, he proved the durability questions, uh, or, or at least, the you know, he was able to pitch 200 innings for the first time. I think that's going to be important. Uh, so I really like Corbin Burns there. And the, the other guy I picked uh, for my dark horse was Jesus Lazardo. I really like his stuff, and I think at times he's kind of figured it out a little bit. And the Marlins have seemed to do a really good job with their pitching development, and, and also the fact that Marlins Park is a very, um, 
very good uh, hitter's park. So Lazardo's, I mean, it's a pitcher's park. So Lazardo has really good swing and miss stuff, good command, and he's pitching in a really good pitcher's park. And um, I, I like him uh, just as a dark horse. And then for the MVP, I picked Arenado. He's going to have a really high floor because of the defense. And last year, his bat took a step forward, and the metrics say it was actually probably even better than he than he played last year. Uh, I really, really like his game right now. I think he's in a good lineup. He He's really happy to be in St. Louis. Uh, he even opted into a contract when he probably could have gotten a lot more money from opting out. Um, so I think he's just uh, in a really good spot right now. And, you know, he finished third MVP voting last year, and I think he's going to be a, a really good player on a contending team. And my dark horse was Matt Olson. I think he's going to benefit a lot from the shift ban. He's been absolutely tearing the cover off the ball in uh, spring training. And I know, it, you know, the reason I, I might even pick him as my number one if he wasn't a first baseman. But, uh, you know, he doesn't if he doesn't hit at like an elite, elite level, I think that the, you know, being a first baseman probably holds him back a little bit. But obviously a first baseman can win, as we saw last year with Goldschmidt. So uh, he was kind of my dark horse MVP pick. Man, that feels good to hear. You pick two of the guys that are on my uh, my fantasy dynasty team there. So, yeah, I love that. Yes, you Cesar Matt Olson. Those guys are good. I, I'm, I'm excited about that. Good picks. I like it. Um I am going to take a approach that I'll share specifically. Now, here's here's the thing, right? I'll I'll go in kind of reverse order from Matt. So my MVP pick, pick pick is Trey Turner. Um and and my my dark horse pick is going to be Corbin Carroll. Now, here's why. And if Corbin Carroll is in the MVP conversation, he'll obviously win rookie of the year, so I wasn't going to continue to pick Corbin Carroll for rookie of the year. If he's in the MVP conversation with this pick, then he'll he'll be Rookie of the Year. I think that the stolen bases are going to drastically increase. Um, you know, the it's we're yet to kind of fully understand how that's going to be impacted and how major league catchers can kind of adapt. But the guys who are going to be elite at stolen bases are going to get a lot of stolen bases. Like we're going to, I think we're going to see a huge increase as they get more comfortable with it. We have already seen an increase in stolen bases in spring training. And that's before, you know, players are really trying for stolen bases because the stats don't count in spring training. They're not trying to pad anything, but if a guy like Trey Turner, who already steals, you know, 30 to 40 bags with the old rules, if he's now limited to, they can only try to pick him off one time. If they try to pick him off, he can get as huge of a lead as he wants or they can't pick him off. I, I just I, Trey Turner might steal a hundred bases this year. Like he'll be on base so much because he's such a good hitter, and so you know he's got a great plate approach. He's got a lot of power. Like his his all fields hitting skill set plus good defense at shortstop. If you attack on a hundred stolen bases to that, he becomes an MVP level player instantly. And and that's without adding that he might add more RBIs in a, in a Phillies offense that's already really good, right? I mean, he could just be just a an all-around just incredible player with an incredible season this year. Corbin Carroll's the kind of guy who could have this season, but it's to be determined whether he could. But with a stolen base rule like this, with speed like that, I just it, it feels right to give him that opportunity, especially because I want to pick a different rookie of the year uh, than these guys, because you know Corbin Carroll's going to be on there. Um, so... MVP Trey Turner is my pick. My Cy Young pick is going to be Spencer Strider, and that's obviously predicated on his health. Strider's got maybe the most electric stuff in baseball right now. He's throwing 102 with hammer breaking balls. Had the best strikeout rate of of any player in the that, that started last year. Um, 
I think he's going to continue that. That's the, he kind of feels like the next Justin Verlander to me. It's just going to be mad, be a, a matter of whether he can stay healthy and pick up more innings as opposed to kind of what he did last year, which was like 130 innings with 200 strikeouts. I mean, it was an incredible season, but you just got to see him be able to pick it up and do it for the whole year. So uh, I, I'm picking Spencer Strider for it. If he only throws, you know, a hundred innings, I'll look back and say, well, should have picked one of those guys. That's more reliable. Um, my dark horse will be like a guy like Nick Lodolo. Uh, stuff's really good. He's on a bad team. It, it, he could very easily see a step forward in just stuff overall in, you know, the approach as he hits his second major league season. Uh, the metrics really, really like Nick Lodolo. And I think he's going to be the type of player that could have a really good year that gets underlooked and undervalued. Um, not saying he is this, but like if, like Felix Hernandez used to in Seattle, right? Where he was just really good and no one cared because he was in Seattle. Um, you know, that's the, the kind of year I think Nick Lodolo could have. Now, he's not Felix Hernandez, but I like Nick Lodolo for a good year this year. My rookie of the year pick is the, the one guy I, I allowed myself to choose the Cubs for, and it's Hayden Wisniewski. I've talked at length about Hayden Wisniewski. I'm not going to go into detail on it, but he just won a job in this Cubs starting rotation. He'll be there all year. And I think he's got the stuff to go out and have a really strong rookie season that could, could compete with Corbin Carroll. Um, you know, maybe Corbin Carroll gets hurt or something, but, you know, or plays poorly. That would be, I think even a strong Hayden Wisniewski season might not be enough, but I, I like him. And I think he's going to have a really good year. Joey Weimer of the Brewers, if he does win the starting job in right field, which it's looking like he is as of this podcast, but we're still TBD. Um, I like him to also have a really good season. He's got a lot of power, big dude, uh, you know, with uh, with athleticism. So not unlike Aaron Judge, though, again, huge player comp, not at all the same type of guy. But if Joey Weimer can hit 25 home runs, which I don't think is crazy at all. I think he'll be in the conversation for rookie of the year for sure. Um, so those are my picks. I got Hayden Wisniewski, Spencer Strider and Trey Turner as the lot, my, you know, big picks. So what about you, Damien? Uh, so for mine, I ended up going with Corbin Carroll as well for my rookie of the year. Um, for all of the, the reasons that either both of you guys just mentioned, uh, part of me really wanted to go with Jordan Walker since neither of you guys did. Uh, but I am going to end up sticking with Corbin Carroll here. Uh, my dark horse for rookie of the year, it's a guy I've talked about a lot as well. It's Garrett Mitchell. I think the ability to have the power-speed combination as well, I think he's going to get a lot of run in Milwaukee and play in center field. He will he plays an elite defensive center field already. Um, you know, If it comes down to it, he might be able to surprise some people and maybe be in the running for rookie of the year. Uh, for my Cy Young, I ended up going with Aaron Nola as the guy – Nola's been incredibly consistent throughout his career. He's getting ready to go to a free agent year. Uh, didn't sign an extension with the Phillies. Uh, he usually gets overshadowed by Zach Wheeler on his own his own pitching staff because he doesn't strike as many people out. But I just think there's always been another little gear in Aaron Nola. And as much as that offense um, is going to hurt this year with Bryce potentially being out for you know half the season, them losing Reese Hoskins now, the pitching staff's really going to have to step up. Uh, I'm excited to see if Nola can take that next little step forward um, and kind of vault himself heading into a free agency year as a legitimate Cy Young contender. Um, for my dark horse there, I went with Max Fried, uh, just a guy who usually is flying under the radar, especially now with Striders being the the guy and it seems like that gets most of the attention in Atlanta there. Um, 
you know, he's also been dealing with his own contract dispute as well. Uh, so I think that just motivates a guy a little bit more. Uh, really wanted to pick Burns as well as as the guy for my Cy Young because his arbitration hearing, and he seemed fired up as well. But uh, I think Max Fried is just a guy that can fly under the radar and, and maybe at the end of the season will surprise you and, and be able to be in the running um, for that award. Uh, as far as my MVP goes, I'm going to pick the same person I picked last year, and that's Juan Soto. Um, the talent is just too good to pass up. He had a really, really down year last year, uh, especially after the trade deadline going to San Diego. But I think a full year there in San Diego and everyone else that's going to be in that lineup, I think it really offers him enough, um, you know, backing around to he's not the sole guy like he was the last few years in Washington. You're not going to be able to pitch around him already anymore. And I mean, he's incredibly good. What do we need to say? He's going to be a guy who's going to walk more than he's going to strike out. I think the power is going to be just fine, if not a little bit more. He's going to hit for the average, most likely. Like Juan Soto is one of the best hitters in the game. The talent is there. He's going to be in a better lineup, the best lineup he's ever been in before. Why Why wouldn't anyone pick him? Uh, if you know, we were picking him last year when he was in Washington. He's going to be on a successful team now. Um, and my dark horse is Trey Turner for every reason that you just mentioned for him being your, your pick there. I don't know if the stolen bases is going to make such a big deal in it. I mean, it's going to, it's going to help him a little bit, but I mean, his performance that we just saw in the WBC, even them, him going back to spring training, the power seems to be there. I think him playing in Philadelphia and like, like I just mentioned with, with Nola, they're going to have that offense is going to have to step up somehow. If Hoskins, who already knows out for the year, we don't know how long Bryce is going to be out. Trey Turner is going to have to step up and really be the leader of that offense moving forward for the first half of the year and through the, through the second half with the, the consistent production that he brings, he's going to hit about 300. He's going to hit you 20 to 25 homers. He's going to play solid ish defense and he's going to steal a ton of bases. Like at the end of the day, you can usually pencil that in for him. And in a year where, you know, he's going to have to step up a little bit more and shown a lot of power recently, maybe that, the power numbers step up even closer to 30 playing in a more hitter friendly ballpark. Now the stolen bases helps him some more and the shift band, maybe he gets a few more hits and hits a little higher than about 300. So that's my picks rookie of the year for my, my actual picks, Corbin Carroll, Aaron Nola, Juan Soto, and then my dark horse picks, Garrett Mitchell, Max Freed, Trey Turner for the national league. Folks, we have breaking news during the bat flip podcast recording. First time in a while, uh, Nico Horner going to be extended by the Cubs, or at least they're in long, uh, advanced discussions per Ken Rosenthal. That's fun. I like that. I will be, I'll be happy. I'm sure you would be. Yeah. Big reaction there from the Cubs fan. I am happy. Just extend Nick Madrigal next and you guys will be set. (laughs) They can get him for Um, cheap. All right. So let's jump over to the American League now. So uh, we'll go ahead and start with Matt again. So go ahead and give us your Rookie of the Year awards predictions. Yeah, so my Rookie of the Year, I went ahead with Gunnar Henderson. He's the number one prospect in baseball for a reason. Um, He is just – he's an incredible talent. Uh, I think that he, last year, going up levels, his plate discipline numbers got better as he got went up levels. It shows a really great level of improvement to him. he is a he's a, he's potentially going to play shortstop, which I'm not sure if he'll stick there, but he, he third base at least. Uh, he he'll be a really good defender there. Um, 
he's got unbelievable power. His hit tool is still really good. He's gotten better, uh, you know, with, with, you know, the swing and miss. And I mean, I don't see a reason. I don't see how, why he would fail unless his swing and miss goes back to like his rookie ball levels of struggling. You know, I, I don't know why he would be successful. So uh, that's really the only question mark with him. But uh, I mean, Zips hasn't projected to be a five win player in his rookie year. So that's pretty crazy. He also torched major league baseball in 132 games. last. I mean, 132 plate appearances last year in his cup of coffee. So I think I picked him to be uh, my guy. And then the, the dark horse I picked in case Henderson do great is uh, I picked Logan O'Hoppy. And the reason I picked him is because he is a very, very good plate discipline oriented catcher. Um, who has put up fantastic numbers in the minor leagues um, at Double um, A last year? After the trade for the from the Phillies to the Angels, he put up a 194 WRC plus, and he had a 22% walk rate in Double A in 131 plate appearances. He did get a cup of coffee at the big league level. He did not look overmatched at the big league level. He only got 16 plate appearances, but you know he had a Roughly, uh, he had a couple hits and uh, several walks. So, a uh, very good-looking player. Um, I like the plate discipline. I think he's going to do well. Um, if he can grow into a little bit more power, he hit 26 home runs at AA last year. Now, that wasn't a pretty good uh, – I believe Philly AA is like a notoriously good hitting hitter's park. But uh, definitely, uh, definitely got to look out for because if he can be a league average defender at catcher and hit like that, then he'll be a very, very good player. Um, and he's also on the opening day roster. So, um, my Cy Young, I went with, uh, McClanahan, Shane McClanahan of the, uh, Tampa Bay Rays. He was my, he was the guy that I thought was the best pitcher last year. Um, and he was, um, he, he was incredible. He's got great stuff from the left side, uh, you know, throw it, hit triple digits, um, and I mean, last year he had a 260 xFIP. He pitched 166 innings, dealt with a little bit of injury down the stretch, but this guy is really, really good. He's throwing 97 with a wipeout slider, and he's throwing it. He's only got a, you know, he's got a sub, he's got a two percent, uh, a two walks per nine walk rate, which is really, really good. So I like Shane McClanahan. Uh, by uh, dark horse pick is George Kirby. I really, really, really like his stuff. I think he throws really hard. He has elite con- control, uh, which I think is a big deal. Uh, you don't want to be put base runners on with the new rules this year. I think he's a. Uh, I think he looks really good. Also, you know, one one little uh, underrated thing about George Kirby is he did pitch in the minors a bit last year with the pitch clock, so he's got already kind of used to that too. But um, you know, I think the only thing kind of holding him back, if you know, if his stuff plays like I think it will it would maybe be like innings limits I know last year he had a pretty strong innings limit and I think that the Mariners gonna be real cautious with him but I really like his talent think he could make have a breakout potential Cy Young campaign this year uh and then my MVP I mean it starts with Otani it's Otani until it isn't it was last year even with Trout with Trout hitting 62 home runs last year still there were people that thought Otani was better and I think Trout was I mean not, not uh judge excuse me uh, I thought that Judge did deserve it last year over Otani, but it took a historic season for that to be the case, and I, I got to pick Otani. Uh, the uh, my dark horse is Corey Seager. He's at short, uh, he's a shortstop that can absolutely mash the ball, and he's gonna hit even better this year because out of all players affected by the shift last year, Corey Seager stood alone, and it wasn't very close. And 
who is most affected by the shift. He pulls a lot of line drives and he hit, puts the ball in play a ton. So that was a big deal last year with him. His numbers maybe not being what people expected. His his peripheral numbers were incredible. I think he's going to be great. And um, he's also – I think he improved a little bit defensively last year too. So that, that was a really good thing to see. So that's my picks. Uh, Henderson for the Rookie of the Year, McClanahan for Cy Young, Otani for MVP, and then Ohop, Kirby, and Seager, kind of dark horse picks for me. And as far as the Seager one's concerned, he's already been a guy we've seen hit 300 with the shift. Yeah. So what he would do without the shift. But yep. anyways, David, go ahead with your uh, with your predictions. Yeah. So first thing, Jeff Passan reports Nico Horner's extension. Three years, $35 million, Buys out a year of free agency. Good deal. My picks for the AL awards will be uh, I'm going to go with Tristan Casas at Rookie of the Year. I think there's I think we're actually going to hit on probably the best six uh, for the Rookie of the Year. So Casas is getting that first base job in, in Boston and he's crushing the ball right now in spring training. I, I think he looks really good for Casas. It's going to be all about whether he can take advantage of that short porch in, in right field and get some home runs out in Boston. I, I wonder whether uh, how kind of right center deepens out a lot, whether he'll get cheapened out of some stuff there. Uh, and, but I really like Casas' swing. I think he'll be the type of guy who can just mash for years for, for Boston. Um, my, my, you know, dark horse pick is going to be Oscar Colas, who just made the White Sox. Um, I've had Colas on my radar for a little bit. I, I think he's, uh, he's like their top prospect right now, right? But the White Sox farm system, I guess he's their second best prospect. The farm system for the White Sox is very weak. Um, so Colas doesn't necessarily have the superstar ceiling that some of these other guys do, that, that Gunnar Henderson does, that uh, some of these other guys we're going to talk about do. But what Colas does have is the starting job, right? And I think it's right field. And he's more of a center fielder in right field, and he's going to swing away a ton. He actually kind of matches the White Sox offense, basically, which is a guy who hacks a ton, ton of power, a lot of strikeout. So either Colas has a really good rookie season, you know, in, in despite his plate approach flaws or he struggles and ends up going back down but you know he's a guy with a ton of tools and a ton of volatility i think he'll he'll be good but will he be able to you know overcome that and win rookie of the year not sure which is why he's just my dark horse now i i'm sorry but for both mvp and cy young i'm picking shohei until shohei proves that he can't do this I like Matt said, I, I have no reason not to pick him and I'm not going to be the guy who gets caught out not picking Shohei. Um, he, I think it's time for him to win both MVP and Cy Young. I, you know, that's the kind of thing that he hasn't done yet. So you might as well try to do it now. Right. Um, but as a hitter, he's elite as a pitcher, he's still getting better, uh, you know, and improving and he can, he's carrying more innings as he goes. And I think this year could be like his, his top end year, maybe maybe his peak year coming up right here. So uh, I think this is kind of the, the peak Shohei powers, as it were. Um, but as for Dark Horse, I will go Framber Valdez for Cy Young. Uh, he was really good for the Astros last year, and he's stepping into the ace role. You know, we talked about him a good bit when we talked about the Astros a few weeks ago and uh, Framber's quality start streak and all that last season. I think he had a really good year, and he can build upon that, uh, you know, maybe with a little bit more swing and miss and potentially, you know, using that pitch clock to his advantage for the MVP. I'm going to go with two guys 
for, for Dark Horse, but for completely different reasons. So for identical reasons for my NL picks, I'm going to go Bobby Witt as an option. I think, you know, a guy who went, I think he had 30 stolen bases last year and 20 home runs. If he can improve on that home run total, he's the type of guy who, who would go for stealing, you know, 60, 70, 80 bases under these new rules and, you know, be the type of guy who go 30, 30, 30 or 40, 40 even. So I, I like Bobby Witt to maybe have a breakout season. He's still very young. Still got a lot of plate approach questions uh, to whether he can get to any of that power. My other guy for this MVP season where just taking the ceiling is Adley Rutschman. Uh, and it would be the first um, MVP year if I had catcher since I think Joe Maurer or maybe Buster Posey. So Adley is certainly the type of guy who could get there and and knock out an MVP year. Uh, he's he's already he had five WAR in his rookie season, and he played like half the year. I, I Adley could have just some historic WAR numbers uh, with that defense at catcher combined with that plate approach and the power at 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 the plate. I love Adley a lot. I think he's going to be in MVP conversations for years. He's just he's playing in the wrong league. He's playing against Shohei. He's playing against Judge. He's playing against Trout. Um, I don't know that he'll ever win one, but he's certainly in my dark horse, especially as he comes into his own and, and Baltimore kind of starts to look to be more competitive. I, I think Adley is definitely a guy who you're going to pencil in your top 10 list, maybe not your, your top three list, uh, but I did want to mention him here. So my picks are Shohei, Shohei, and Tristan Casas, uh, dark horses, Oscar Colas, Framber Valdez, and then Adley Rutschman and Bobby Witt for MVP. So for my picks, uh, for Rookie of the Year, I ended up going with Mazataka Yoshida. Um, I just think the experience of him coming over, having played professionally overseas, and then what we saw in the World Baseball Classic, a lot of people thought he was going to come in and be overmatched. I think he led the World Baseball Classic in hits. Um, obviously, they played just about as many games as the U.S., but he still led the entire uh, tournament with hits. I don't. He didn't look overmatched there. I think he'll be able to have twenty-ish homer power. I know in Boston he's more, he's a pull hitter, and that right field gets a little little long for those guys. But he's the potential to hit twenty homers. He'll he'll walk a decent amount um, as long as he doesn't get totally like the the swing doesn't get out of uh, with the high leg kick in the velocity against uh, major league pitching. I think he'll be just fine. Uh, my dark horse, I went with Anthony Volpe. I think he's per fan grass. Was he like the third base or third best prospect in baseball or something like that? Um, he made the opening day roster. It looks like he's going to be the starting shortstop for the New York Yankees. And as we all know, that means something. You are automatically, if you perform well as a Yankee and starting shortstop there, you're going to get a lot more of a push. He's a guy who is able to steal bases in New York. He probably has about 20 homer power as well. Um, as long as he doesn't bring the strikeout issues that he's had at AAA, even though it was a small sample size last year up to the major leagues, he'll be fine. But he's looked really good in spring training. I think he's been hitting over 300 there with over 400 on base. So as long as he brings that performance over, he'll be fine. So for Cy Young, I went with Jacob DeGrom. Give me the most talented guy. Like Jacob DeGrom, if he's healthy, he's going to put up nutty numbers. He'll be fine. The innings pitched might depending on how the Rangers go, but it's Bruce Boshi as well. Now he's an old school manager. He'll ride the guy. I, I don't think he's going to be worried about pulling him at five innings or six innings. I think he'll let him go. If DeGrom's healthy, I think he should be a shoe in for a top three on anybody's ballot. My uh, dark horse is Framber Valdez. He had a 
really awesome year last year, the quality start streak he had, he would have probably been right as the top guy there had Justin Verlander not overshadowed him on his own team last year. Um, they're going to play really good defense behind him. He's a ground ball guy. I think it's it's pretty easy just to say that he'll be a dark horse there. Now, for my MVP, I did not pick Shohei Otani here, and I did not pick him as either my dark horse or as my favorite. I picked Julio Rodriguez as my favorite. I think it's pretty it's pretty easy to understand why he had an amazing year last year. He's going to come into a second year. All he's going to do is get better. I think he's so young. The electricity he brings, he'll be fine. My dark horse, I went with Jose Ramirez. He's a guy who every year you can usually pencil him in is what he's going to do. He's going to hit you 20 to most likely 25 homers, close to 30. He's going to steal you 20 to 25 bases. He's going to hit around 280 to 300. He's going to play good defense. He's going to lead the Guardians team there. So my reasoning for not picking Shohei Otani is either my Cy Young or my MVP for the American League is because I'm not sure he finishes the season in the American League. I think if the Angels are out of it at the Ooh. deadline and he does not he does not tell them that he will re-sign with them or does not have an extension by that point, you could see two teams, especially on the West Coast, the Padres and the Dodgers, who have been gearing up for this run at Otani for this offseason, make another massive move for him. And if you're the Angels and you're out of it and he will not sign, you have to consider the fact of taking a boatload of prospects for a guy who's going to leave you in three or four months. That is my reasoning for not picking Shohei Otani as MVP or Cy Young is because I'm not sure he's going to finish the season with the Angels. If, if of all the reasons and not, not to mention the, the players you would pick in like in instead of Otani, you, you've done the best job possible here, chief. I, I think that's absolutely perfect in terms of reasoning and in terms of who you picked yeah. in advance. Like J Ram needs more MVP love. Yeah. Yeah, and, and on the Otani thing, I I thought about doing the same thing. The only thing is that I feel like that with the Art Angels. Art Moreno is a stubborn asshole, yes. Well, and, and the fact that the Art Moreno in his career has – the biggest thing that he's done is he has gone after superstar power. Like, remember when he signed Albert Pujols and Josh Hamilton? And, and of course, he's gone after superstar power as opposed to depth and just paid a – gargantuan contract for people i feel like there's a chance he might end up doing that with otani well here's the thing otani has already said that he wants to win if they don't prove he can win that they can win he will leave yeah well, and we'll, second of yeah. all second of all art marino was literally just considering selling the team he was he was but he, he did he, so he didn't but i'm just saying that might also yeah. be another factor now, if you have a big contract that might hurt the value later on I and mean, we just saw it with with uh with Soto. I mean, people wanted him traded so when they could sell and then they ha still haven't sold yet either. But uh I just I just don't know that he finishes the year there. So just to recap my awards there, uh rookie of the year I went with uh Mazataka Yoshida from Boston, uh Dark Horse, Anthony Volpe, uh Cy Young, I went with Jacob deGrom, Fran Valdez, my dark horse, and then Julio Rodriguez and J Ram as my MVP picks there. So let's go ahead uh, and move over to our predictions. Now, we just spent the past six episodes going over each division individually by each team. Um, so we're not going to go through our full divisions and give you 
each spot in each division here. If you want to listen to that, just go back to those episodes to that division um, and, and you'll hear our breakdown of that. So what we'll do here is we're going to give our division winners for each of us, our wild card uh, teams that we have making it, and then our potential World Series matchup prediction. So why don't we go ahead and start with Matt? All right. So um, in the NL East, I have picked the Atlanta Braves. I feel like there's less ways for that team to go sideways than the other two uh, contenders there in the Mets and Phillies. I think there's more depth there. Um, So I picked the Braves. In the Central, I went ahead and picked the Cardinals. I am a little worried about their pitching, but I think that uh, they've just their lineups just deeper than the Brewers. They'll score runs, and I think they'll piece together enough pitching, especially with their bullpen and their defense behind their pitching, to uh, for their run prevention to, to do well enough to to, to win that division. Uh, and then the NL West, I went ahead and went with the Padres. I think that the Padres are maybe aren't quite as good as people are leading them on to be, but they are very good. I think they're a little top heavy. But um, I think that they'll. I think with the step back the Dodgers took that the players that they lost uh and the players that are injured uh i think the padres are probably uh you know gonna gonna be the the winner there uh my wild card teams i had in the nl were the uh, the mets the dodgers and the phillies i thought i thought about doing somebody other than the phillies like maybe the diamondbacks or the brewers because at the end of the day last year the phillies only won 87 games and they've already got major injury concerns to start the year this year but uh, I went ahead and went with them. I just think that the talent that they have is probably more so than the Diamondbacks or the Brewers. But um, but yeah, those are my uh, division winners and wildcard teams. And if I had to pick today, representing the NL, I might pick the Braves to come out of the NL. Just because, like I say, I feel like the depth of that roster, there's fewer ways it can go wrong than these other teams. Very interesting. So, David, what do you got? Uh, all right. So... I, for what it's worth, it, it's funny. I was looking through it. I only one of us has a single different uh, team yeah. order in, yeah. in the NL here, um, and it's me. So my NL East is the Braves. I just kind of exactly what Matt said, right? That team is so strong, top to bottom. They they might have a hole at shortstop though. Vaughn Grissom didn't make the roster, but I don't think that matters because they added Sean Murphy, right? He's so strong at behind the plate, both, you know, in the field and at the plate. Uh, I, it's such a massive increase to that lineup that's already strong and might see a resurgence from Matt Olson. Like we just talked about, I, uh, I love the Braves. And Acuna was bad last year, and they still won 100 games, right? And Acuna might be – he's another year away from the AACL tear. I feel like Acuna is going to be back to his normal self. The Braves are really good. Um, NL Central, I'm taking the Brewers. I think their pitching is more important than the Cardinals' offense, right? That's my entire reasoning. I like the Brewers' pitching. I don't like the Cardinals' pitching. And the Brewers' offense, with the additions they made this offseason, it's going to be a different look. It's going to be a little bit better. Uh, Christian Yelich is supposedly healthier. Telez is getting no shift, and he was one of the ones that was hurt most by the shift last year. You know, they might be bringing up – they're bringing up rookies. Bryce Terang made the team. I like what the, the Brewers are doing. It's close. I think this is going to be the, the closest like division race um, with, you know, pending the results of like the Mets and the Padres Dodgers. But I think this one's the closest like to just in terms of games. I think this one's the closest between the Brewers and the Cardinals. Um, and then for the 
NL West, I'm going Padres. All the reasons Matt said. Fernando Tatis will be back this season. Hopefully he'll not be suspended for steroids. Uh, and he needs to go along with Xander Bogarts being added to a lineup that was already really strong. That team's just going to be bonkers good. They've got a good rotation. they got a good bullpen. Love the Padres. It's going to be them. My wildcard teams are the same. Dodgers, Mets, Phillies. The Phillies injury problem concern uh, problems don't concern me, mostly because Reese Hoskins was the only one they've lost for the whole season. Um, if they lose anybody else, it'll get nerve-wracking, but I think you'll see Cardinals, Cubs, Diamondbacks, and maybe Giants be in the running there uh, for that extra NL spot, the wildcard spot. But I th- I'm still pretty comfortable with Dodgers, Mets, Phillies. I think those are the, the obvious wildcard teams. Yeah, so for mine, uh, the NL East got the Braves uh, coming out as well. Uh, Phillies already dealing with injury concerns, lack of depth there. The Mets having two 40-year-olds at the top of the rotation with some injury concerns already for themselves. The Braves are so strong offensively. You mentioned Acuna uh, is going to be another year removed from ACL surgery. Uh, You're going to get a full season of Michael Harris. I know you got like, what, 450 at-bats from him, so you'll probably get another 150 at-bats from him this year. Um, right around that 600 mark, uh, you're the, the hole at shortstop is, is something, but you're going to get Ozzy Albies back who missed a lot of last year as well. You upgraded at catcher, um, the, the four and five in that rotation does worry me a little bit, the, the back end slash depth of it, but I just think they're so strong offensively. They'll be able to make it up there. Uh, as far as the NL central, I got the Cardinals winning. Um, the, the deciding factor is them having literal two top three MVP finishers last year i mean goldschmidt arenado you can pencil in what they're going to do you're going to get tyler o'neill back uh who battled some injuries last year uh if he can bounce back to his 2021 self i think daryl carlson takes a step forward i mentioned that in the episode that we did on the nl central uh you're adding jordan walker to that team playing left field as well and the the offensive potential that he has i think you know, even they're upgrading offensively at catcher as much as we wanted to, to say the downgrade on defense or calling a game. I think the upgrade offensively there, it's going to come down to the Cardinals offense versus the Brewers pitching slash defense. And I just trust the Cardinals offense and that stuff a little bit more than I do the Brewers at the moment. So I got the Cardinals winning that division. Um, in the NL West, I got the Padres over the Dodgers. Um, you know, it, Everyone's going to look at the gap from last year, and but the Padres are a complete different team this year. They're going to get Tatis back. They're going to have a full year of Soto. They're going to have Xander Bogarts in there. Um, you know, Darvish and Musgrove, when Musgrove comes back, Snell looked really good in the second half there. They made sure to beef up the the bullpen there. Uh, and I know the some of that depth in the, the back of the rotation is a little bit worrisome, but even then, it, it, as strong as as strong as that bullpen's going to be and as strong as this offense is going to be on the top end of it, I think the talent is just too much. The Dodgers have lost a lot. They lost Trey Turner. You've lost Cody Bellinger. You lost Justin Turner. You've lost a lot of heart and soul of that team. You're without Walker Bueller for the entire year. Blake Trinan, you're without right now. Um, you know, you don't have a closer. Daniel Hudson was supposed to be back. He's already experienced some setbacks. Tony Gonsolin already sprained an ankle. He's going to be out probably until late April. They're already dealing with some injury concerns. The depth hasn't looked the best there. And they're going to be a team that's counting on a lot of at-bats from David Peralta and Jason Hayward. And it just it seems like a weird thing. So I just think the Padres right now are a little bit better um, than the Dodgers. So Braves, Cardinals, Padres, and then the wildcard teams are the same. Dodgers, Mets, Phillies, 
Uh, you can make an argument that the Phillies should be out for Milwaukee there. Uh, I, I like Arizona, but I just don't quite think that they're going to be right to that level yet. I think give them next year uh, into next season, and then they might be able to jump into that that wild card tier. I just don't think the talent is there quite yet. So uh, pretty much we're all status quo on the National League. I think we only have the one difference is the Milwaukee and Cardinals with David. So let's jump to the American League and see if we find some more parity here. So Matt, what do you got in the, uh, the American League? Yeah, so in the American League East, I was kind of split because I think there's three teams that could probably win this division. I do think the Rays are a little bit underrated this year, uh, but I put with the Blue Jays as my number one. I like their um, – I mean, I just like their roster. I think that they have some guys who are going to have some bounce backs. I think you're going to get a more healthy Springer this year. Hopefully he's going to play right field a little bit more, which is going to be nice to, to get him, uh, maybe keep him healthier. Uh, I think Vlad Jr. is going to be, I don't know if he's going to be 2021, you know, MVP runner up Vlad Jr. But I think he'll be better than 2022 Vlad Jr. I think he'll be somewhere in between. Uh, and, and then, you know, the rest of their, you know, their lineup is really good. Um, I, I just I like that team. They added a little bit of lefty bats, which is nice. Uh, and so, and I think they added a little bit of bullpen help, which is nice too. They needed that. Um, and and I just think I, there's a lot of ways the Yankees could go sideways, just because they've already got a couple pitching injuries and their lineup's just not all that deep. They have a lot of question marks in their lineup. Although I think their starting rotation, if healthy, is the best in the in, probably the best in the big leagues. Um, AL Central. Um, I went with the Twins. A, with a very low confidence level, I honestly think that three of teams could win this division. I think the Twins, Guardians, or White Sox could win this division. Um, I think people are sleeping on the White Sox just a little bit because of how they did last year. But I think there were a lot of issues last year that are maybe improved this year with just health and the fact that Tony LaRusso is not their manager anymore. But uh, I like the Twins. Um, I think bringing back Carlos Correa is really good for them. Uh, they added some pitching, which is really nice, and Pablo Lopez. I think they're probably my pick. Uh, the, I think the Guardians might take a little step back with a couple of their pitchers. Like Kyle Quantrill, I don't, I don't think is going to be able to repeat what he did last year, and I think that's going to be a pretty big deal for them. Uh, and then the, uh, the AL West, I'm going to go with the Astros. I think the Mariners are not too far behind. I think the Astros may take a little bit of a step back this year. Uh, they had some pretty good fortune, and you know they got a Cy Young year from Justin Verlander last year. While I don't think he repeats that with the Mets this year, like what he did last year, you're still losing a Cy Young winner. So you know their rotation is not quite as good as I think people think it's going to be. I think Fromber's really really good, but you know you kind of lose, and, and and I think Garcia's pretty good, and but you're kind of like. You get in the back of that rotation. I mean, you got a rookie in Hunter Brown who's maybe got some control concerns, and, and we're just not 100% sure he's a rookie. And then you got, you know, like uh, Jose Arquiti's okay. I mean, it, there are some concerns there with their rotation, but they're a very good team. Their lineup is incredible, so I'm still going to pick them. Uh, oh, missing Jose Altuve for a couple months is going to hurt them too. But uh, the wild card games, I picked uh, the Yankees. They were close to the Blue Jays. I think they're going to be number two. The Mariners. And I actually went with the Angels. Uh, I, I just I like some of the offseason moves they made. I might be drinking the Kool-Aid, but – Oh, boy. did not learn. <laughs> I, uh, I think there's a way they sneak – there might be a way they sneak in there. I really, really like their combination of – uh, Patrick Sandoval to go with Otani and, and also having like Tyler Anderson's like their number three or four in the rotation, which is a huge step forward over what they've had. 
Um, and then uh, the one thing that really concerns me with them is the bullpen. I, their bullpen really concerns me. It may be a little bit of their depth in their uh, lineup too, but uh, I, I did go ahead and pick them. And, and my World Series team from the American League, there's a, I mean, it's kind of wide open with, with this as well, but I think I'm going to go with Houston uh, kind of the same way as I did with the Braves. I mean, there's not a ton that can go wrong with this team. Like, I think that their lineup is deep enough to where, like, even if you lose a player, like they're, like they're losing Altuve for the first couple months, I think they're still going to be really good. Um, you know, I, I do think that there might be a little bit of concern if they lose another pitcher or something, but I'll go with Houston. They have the pedigree. They did it last year, so they're going to pick out of the American League. All righty. I, uh, I will tell you, I'm the one with the change again. <laughs> Um, so I've got the Blue Jays coming out of the AL East, but it is very close, uh, between the Yankees, Rays, Blue Jays, and even the Orioles, I think are definitely in consideration for this division. Uh, but I love the way the Blue Jays have constructed their roster. It's just a bunch of mashers, uh, guys who are just excel at hitting in the moment, right? Bo Bichette is, is one of my favorite players to watch on this team. Uh, you've got Matt Chapman, right? He's a great defender, and he's a guy, the guy who he went nuts last year in the second half and a ton of big home runs for them. Um, you know, they picked up Dalton Varsho to kind of hit from the left side. That's really exciting. Um, you know, the, the Blue Jays are really good. And then, you know, I, I've got the, the Guardians in the AL Central. Um, I, I'm kind of team pick the Guardians until they prove they can't do it anymore. Basically, at this point, right, I've been burned by it before. Last year, drank, I drank the White Sox Kool-Aid, and they were terrible. Uh, and the Guardians were consistent and strong, and they have been years and years in a row doing it with guys like Stephen Kwan. You know, they'll still have Shane Bieber. It's a good team. they got good pitching development. they got good prospects. They, you know, they got a lot of depth. Even if that depth isn't, like, high impact, it's still, like, very strong. A bunch of guys who could come up and, and make a good impact for them. Uh, so, and they might've fixed some of their outfield problems finally. So I, I like the guardians a lot. Uh, twins are good. They're right there. I think the white Sox have a realistic shot to win this division, but the guardians are my pick. And then AL West, I, I, I'm not going to pick against the Astros. I just, I, I won't do it. I would like to, I very much would like to, I, I think there's four teams in this division as well. This is the AL is going to be incredibly competitive. There's going to be some major surprises. I absolutely don't think it will go the way I've projected it here, but I mean, you could very, very easily see the Mariners, the Rangers, the Angels have all made huge strides in the last couple of years. They could catch and pass the Astros, right? Especially with Altuve gone. And you know, their big signing was Jose Abreu, who's 36 years old. That could not work out. But until the Astros show they aren't, you know, worthy of being picked, coming off of a World Series championship with a team that, you know, was, I think they, they won every postseason game except for one, right? I, I gotta pick the Astros. I'm just sticking with it. They, they, they're gonna be, they're gonna be the ones. So, yeah, uh, my wild card teams are the Yankees, the Mariners, and the Twins. Uh, so there you go. And then um, my World Series matchup is probably San Diego and Toronto. I know I didn't do my World Series team. Matt did his. Uh, so we'll pick our winners at the end here, but yeah, th those are it. So Blue Jays, Guardians, Astros. Yeah. So for uh, my American League, I am East. I'm actually going to go with the Blue Jays as well. Um, it took all of Aaron Judge hitting 62 homers last year to to carry the Yankees to the division. Uh, I love the the upgrades the Blue Jays have made this year. And one thing that I don't 
I mean, we haven't really talked about much, but the Blue Jays changed their ballpark to be a lot more hitter-friendly this year. They were already a super good hitting team at home, especially. Uh, I think that's just going to help them score even more runs, and they have really good pitching. Uh, You know, you you have Manoa and Gossman. You signed Bassett. If you can have the bounce back from Barrios, who's looked pretty solid in spring training, looked rough in the WBC, but the spring training's looked pretty solid so far. Um, you know, they added Eric Swanson, which is into that bullpen to go with Romano and Simber and uh, Anthony Bass. Like, I just like a lot of their arms there that I think adding that 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 home ballpark advantage to make it even more hitter friendly now. Teams, I think teams are going to struggle there. The Yankees, I still have them at second. They still have a lot of talent. Um, Rodon being out for we don't know how long. If It might be a month, might be a couple weeks. We just aren't sure yet. That hurts them. Um, offensively, you know, they, they didn't really make that big upgrade. Everyone was expecting them to make. Uh, so I, I have them finishing second, the Rays, their team, we do this every year. They're going to be right in this battle. We're not going to pick them. And then they're going to make us look dumb. Uh, I got them finishing third there, uh, jumping over to the American league central. I got the twins. Uh, I think getting another year of Carlos Correa and him on a long-term deal in, in, invested even more into this team the uh upgrade that they made getting um pablo lopez into that rotation i think it it gives them a really solid rotation now they have a solid bullpen with duran jorge lopez um offensively if if you are going to play buxton a little bit more at dh to keep him a little bit more healthy uh the offensive potential that can come from that uh, I, I like the team, what they did. The Guardians, I think it's going to be a fight in this division until the last game. The Guardians are really good. They're really fundamental. They play good defense. They have people who aren't going to surprise you, but they're going to just play really solid, and they'll be there at the end. It's hard to pick them. You could flip a coin. I think it just landed on tails for me with the Twins uh, to pick them there. And then the American League West, I've done it the past couple of years. I haven't picked the Astros. It's bit me in the butt. There was everything in me wanted to pick the Mariners, especially once I remembered that Jose Altuve was going to be out for two months. I really, really wanted to pick the Mariners. And then I scrolled down and I realized my World Series prediction is still Houston. And I'm like, I I can't pick against Houston right now. I've done it the last two years. They've proved me wrong. Uh, I think the talent that they have there with adding Jose Abreu, uh, who's going to be an upgrade over Yuli Guriel, what you were doing for uh, Jeremy Pena's breakout last year. You're getting Alex Bregman, who the second half looked really good. If he's going to be healthy, you still have Kyle Tucker. You're going to get Michael Brantley back. You, Jordan's going to be there. Like this team, it's still so good. Uh, the loss of Verlander. I mean, what you're just going to throw Christian Javier in the rotation, throw a guy like Hunter Brown, who has shown really good flashes. He's going to battle some command, but I think the team's just too good still. Um, to to really have a, that much of a fall off. I think the Mariners are really close to them. They made the jump up last year. Uh, I, I love what they've done this offseason, adding a guy like Teoscar Hernandez in there. Jared Kellenix looked amazing in spring. If he's able to unlock that prospect pedigree that, we've, that he had um, and, and continue what he's done this spring, that's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, you know, and then I have the Rangers in third in this division just because of kind of continuing my narrative of I don't think the Angels are going to be as good and they're going to end up trading Shohei at the, the deadline. And I like the the changes the Mariners or the Rangers have done, spending all the money, going out, getting a lot better in that rotation. Uh, I think that's going to be the next big step for them. Uh, so uh, how I have it is I have Blue Jays, Twins, Astros, and then wildcard teams. I got the Yankees, Guardians, and Mariners. 
And then in my World Series matchup, I got Houston over San Diego in six. Matt, did you give your prediction to the World well, Series there? I didn't. I thought we were waiting till the end for that. But I, I picked Atlanta over Houston in six. I just, like I say, I mean, this is maybe the most difficult season to predict a World Series title champion that I could remember. But uh, I'll just be a homer and pick the Braves. Yeah, so I, I said my, my, my World Series teams are San Diego and Toronto. I think they're just my two favoritely composed teams across the board in terms of uh, hitting, pitching, and bullpen, right? Like every metric, they just kind of hit it for me. Uh, and I think those are the kind of play- teams with players that can play well in a postseason environment, right? Where you got to have guys who can come out and make a big statement, right? I think the Phillies are going to be good if they can get to the postseason, right? They've got those same type of guys. I think even the Angels will be good, right? We- we've seen what Otani can do on the big stage. Uh, if he could just get to the postseason, right? Like Damian has them. I, I don't think that's – or no, uh, Matt has them. I don't think that's – you know, unreasonable at all, but I'm just, I refuse to, to drink the angels Kool-Aid. I, I won't do it. I, I won't pick them uh, until it happens for the first time. But um, you know, I like the Mariners, obviously. I, I just think what happens here is, you know, we, we have a really brutal playoffs where we see a lot of the bigger, you know, bigger win total teams get knocked out. Uh, and I think the blue Jays and the, the Padres by being in the more competitive divisions are probably going to have lower win totals and they probably won't be viewed as the favorites they'll get a little more, you know, battle tested and they'll go into those like uh, championship series with a little more experience and then come out on top. I have the Padres over the Blue Jays. Just I'm picking with this super team. I think it's going to work. And I I think, you know, spending a lot of money is the way to go. So that's what we're going with. But there's genuinely about 10 teams that I could pick when pick to win the World Series and be very comfortable with it. but yeah, I went with Padres over Blue Jays, and it, it, that would be a fun World Series. I think you know both of you guys have a, have a good World Series. I hate seeing Houston in there both times, though, man. I, I do hope we get somebody new. They they've been in there like every year. Listen, I think my World Series prediction has been completely wrong the last couple years that we've been doing this. So just say that I am trying the worst possible outcome for a World Series, and hopefully it doesn't come true. That's my kind of like reverse psychology <laughs> type deal on it because uh, this would probably be the most like throw up ish world series matchup i could ever think of at the moment i would go houston over the car or the cardinals over houston would be my, maybe, my throw up matchup there maybe maybe san francisco instead of san diego yeah. but it's close there's zero chance that the yankees would not be the american league team for mine but <laughs> <laughs> Be like what Philly, uh, Phillies, Yankees for Phillies, for Yankees, yeah. maybe, yeah, yeah. Mets, Yankees. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe the Yankees just oh, so God. we wouldn't have to hear Vince. Yeah, yeah, that pretty bad. Yeah, that one's pretty bad. But anyways, that's our uh, our predictions for awards, divisions, wild cards, World Series. Um, but opening day is just here in a couple days. So anything that you guys are specifically looking forward to in opening week. Yeah, I'll start off, uh, you know, obviously super excited. I think that people are going to overreact a lot with the rule changes for the first few days. I think you'll start to see the real, like, major effects of the rule changes just kind of over the course of the season. Like, if on the opening day there's a lot of stolen bases, 
then people are going to be like, oh my God, there's going to be thousands and thousands of stolen bases this year. And, you know, sometimes it's also an opening day thing. You got a lot of tough pitchers throwing. You got guys maybe wanting to run and spark some offense against the pitcher. It's going to be hard to get a string hits together against. I mean, so I do think the stolen bases will be up, but it's just kind of things like that. You know, maybe. Uh, maybe there might be some pitch clock violations or something on opening day where people are like, oh, no, here we go. Pitch clock's going to be the story of the season. And then over time, it might, you know, get better. Um, I uh, I was just super excited. I think, um, you know, new season, hopefully uh, everything gets started off on the right foot. And there's no, like, major bad awfulness. Uh, there's some good pitching matchups on opening day. So uh, excited for that. And, uh, yeah, we'll see. Um very excited. It's going to be a great season. 162 games from the from Thursday until like for the next like six months, there will be baseball on every day except for like the day after the All-Star game or whatever. So uh, super excited for that. Uh, yeah, uh, ready to go. I The one thing I have is that I am the only one who picked the Guardians and Tristan McKenzie just got me announced that he will be out for at least eight weeks. Ooh, so that's, that's great. Yep, that was good. They, I picked them, and they're already getting hurt. Does so. that does that if change I, your does that change your pick? No, no. Eight I, weeks I, of a, without their number two pitcher. What I note about the Guardians in my prediction there was that they have a lot of depth, and they can always come up with a new plan. I think the Guardians will be just fine. However, that division is already really close. They, yeah. they do not need to be losing Tristan McKenzie for that long. Uh, yeah, I mean, Kyle Quantrill's like their number two now. Oh boy. Sabali <laughs> and Plesak Sabali, Plesak, and Quantrill are three of their five rotation guys and then uh, we'll I don't see. know who their fifth one will be Morgan maybe? Maybe Oh boy yeah. <laughs> We'll see yeah. <laughs> Maybe I just jinx, jinx the Guardians <laughs> They'll hit, hey, all the straight to hell They can get the right. ball on the ground <laughs> Yeah So David, is there anything in the opening week specifically that you're, you're looking forward to? Um I am excited to see these new rules employed in game. I think uh, specifically the the kind of the way the stolen bases are going to work, but also, you know, I think the pace of games are going to be a little bit nicer. Uh, just going from three hours to two and a half is just a, a welcome change. And the from spring training, at least, it seemed like innings were just paced a lot better, right? You could You didn't have to, like, look away between pitches while the pitcher was, like, you know, wandering around on the mound instead of throwing the ball right like I, i'm just ready for that honestly i think it'll be good i think they they very much have some room to adjust the pitch clock if it does feel fast um but keeping it strict early on to get everybody used to it is a good way to start this and they can adjust from there and get the kind of happy medium that i think everyone's kind of clamoring for yeah, yeah, and I was going to say, uh, you know, I forgot to mention it on the pitch clock thing. This week, we're going to find – the one thing we will find out is early in the season, like these opening day games and home openers are really usually pretty intense games for early in the season. Got, teams really, really want to win on opening day. The crowd's really into it and stuff. And I'm going to be very interested to see if that pitch clock becomes kind of a – annoying for fans late in games like it's great spring training because it speeds it up but like there's not gonna be quite as much of that dramatic you know pacing in the eighth and ninth inning of these really close really big games as there might have used to be like you're gonna have to get up there and throw and i think that there's something about that that you don't want pitchers walking around for 30 seconds between pitches just dilly dallying around like pedro baez used to do 
but you also like there's something about like the pitcher fe- the game feeling rushed and i think that's something we haven't seen in spring training because of the low magnitude of the games but it's something that maybe we'll, we might start to see a little bit of in the early season in this first week hey how's this going to look in a big game so i think that's something that maybe kind of go on for your point to look at also we'll see no shift also in all these yep. games uh, other than potentially like moving the left fielder to shallow right, which in itself is a risky move. So yeah, I was gonna say I don't think teams are actually gonna do that very much, but we'll see. Poor Joey Gallo. Just Joey Gallo. Most likely. Joey Gallo won't put the ball in play anyways. To... <laughs> so <laughs> why are we worried about it? Why would you even shift him? <laughs> yeah. Uh, for me, I'm just excited just to see baseball back. Um, I mean, I know there's been a lot played up about the rule changes this year and everything, but uh, I think there's, for as much as our predictions were really similar through all of it, I think there's a ton of parity in the league right now. I think we mentioned it before, before we went on, like there's, there's a a ton of teams here that you could just kind of flip a coin and and say that they could win that division or whatever. And I'm just going to be excited to see these new look teams. Like what is the Rangers and that new rotation and and look like, you know, what does the blue Jays and the new dimensions there look like? Like, I think there's the Padres. What is, what does that look like? Especially on April 20th, when you get Tatis back, what does that, that lineup look like? Like there's just so many interesting stories, I think throughout the season, that's going to come to fruition, but I think firing it up on opening week, uh, seeing the, the players get into the, the high intensity games rather than just kind of spring training, going in there, mailing in four at bats and go golfing for the rest of the day. Um, it's, it's going to be a lot of fun. And I, I, I'm really, really excited about that. Yeah. And I, I will say um, about what I was telling these guys before, what the, the, the podcast started was I feel like this is the most competitive baseball's been in several years. Yep. You have a lot of teams that are at least like we, we said would be middling 75 to 85 wins. Like there's a lot of teams in that bracket. One or two of those teams is going to get, you know, 88, 89 wins, get that 90th percentile outcome and make the playoffs that, that we're not expecting. Right. And we also diamondbacks, you know, but there's more teams than that. Right. There's only like five true tanking teams. There's a lot of teams that expect to be winning games. So I, I'm just really excited for this season. I think it's going to be really competitive across the board. A lot of good division races. Yeah, absolutely. So that's going to wrap up this episode, unless you guys got anything else you want to hit on real quick. Yeah, real quick, I was going to mention, I think uh, I might be on the uh, MLB Daily show on uh, Thursday. I think they're doing a live uh, for opening day. Oh, I didn't see that. Yeah, it's the the, the Bob show or something now. They're a report. Yeah, well, when they messaged me, their their account still said MLB Daily. So (laughs) it's the batting order beat. There we go. All right. Well, I'm I'm excited. I'll be on their show on Thursday. Hopefully, uh, that was the, at least the plan right now. So, I uh, look forward to that. In the I think in the evening. So, yeah, we'll make sure to tweet out yep. uh, when you're going on there and, and a link to the episode. So go ahead and go check those guys out um, and hear Matt on there this winter Thursday actually. So, alrighty. Well, thank you guys for tuning in to episode 119 of the Batflip Podcast, uh, and we'll see you guys next week. Baseball is back. <laughs>